Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. This episode discusses suicide. Please take care while listening. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. The Golden Gate Bridge is an iconic landmark, also a lethal one. About 2,000 people are estimated to have jumped from the bridge since 1937. And now, after decades of advocacy, a safety net meant to discourage people from jumping off is nearly finished. The suicide barrier works at the Eiffel Tower, the Empire State Building, the uh, Sydney Harbor Bridge in Australia, so deterrents are effective. Today, KQED health correspondent Leslie McClurg tells us about the new suicide deterrent at the Golden Gate Bridge. Michael James Bishop was a 28-year-old who lived in San Francisco. On March 28, 2011, he woke up in the morning and he got into his gray Honda and he drove to the Golden Gate Bridge and he scrawled out a suicide note, which basically said that he was really sad to leave the love of his life and he hoped that she would find love elsewhere and he thanked his mom and dad for giving him everything he ever needed he said goodbye to his friends and he left it on the passenger seat of his car and he got out it was the first sunny day in several weeks and he leapt off the golden gate bridge a motorist saw him it was about 9 a.m and the Coast Guard rescued his body about a half an hour later in the rocks below the bridge. And I know you talked with his mother. How does she describe the experience of learning about what happened to her son? I learned about Michael's story from his mother, Kay James, and she lives in Moraga. I, I keep saying over and over again, he was, he was so sweet. He was a very gentle young man. You know, he didn't show up at work, so she spent that morning looking for him. I think she said she spent about half the day calling around to hospitals. Thinking that he was probably in a bicycle accident because he rode his bicycle to work. And then she got a call from an official in Marin. When I got a call from the sheriff in Marin County, I begged him to read the note to me. He was about to start a new job that day at an environmental fund called the Tides Foundation, which apparently he was very excited about. He played violin. He was in an orchestra. And I loved going to his concerts. 
He was in a solid relationship. He had a community of friends. It seemed like everything was going really well in his life. She did mention that he had a history of depression. She knew that that was a struggle of his, but suicide had never been something that he had discussed or something that, you know, a therapist or something was worried about. That he would kill himself never entered my mind or any of his friends or his girlfriend. No one. It was just a total shock. Still to this day, she, she, it sounds like she is completely shocked, and I think she's struggled since then with a lot of grief. I mean, you know, it's a never-ending process. You feel like your world is coming to an end. And one minute, everything's fine, and then on a turn of a dime, just boom, your world can fall apart. What do we know about how often this happens on the Golden Gate Bridge? The first suicide happened in 1937 when the bridge was built, about nine months after the bridge was built. Mm -hmm. And since then, somewhere around 30 suicides a year, kind of on average, that goes up and down. The year that Michael James Bishop committed suicide, another 100 people were stopped on the bridge from doing it in that particular moment. Well, we're talking about this now because there is now a net under the Golden Gate Bridge to prevent this kind of thing from happening. How long have people been talking about building a safety net under the Golden Gate Bridge? It was more of an active conversation and really got legs in the early 2000s when families who had loved ones who had suicided from the bridge uh, started telling their stories. And that's when the Golden Gate Bridge Board of Directors began to really consider deterrence. And then it's been a lengthy conversation filled with lots of opinions. And the major argument has been how do you balance both a deterrent that does work and does stop people from jumping and doesn't deter from the kind of iconic architecture of the bridge that you really don't see. That's not going to be some, you know, kind of glaring addition that takes away from the beauty of the Golden Gate Bridge. And Kate James was actually among those who were advocating for this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. She started going to meetings, I think, within a year of Michael's death and and telling the story of, of his life and of her shock. And I think it was quite therapeutic for her and other families to know that they weren't alone. It's like, really? You had a child who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge? I mean, you just feel so... It's such a weird feeling and connecting with other people who have had similar experiences was really important. Coming up, what the new suicide prevention net looks like and why experts believe it'll save lives. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing, 
and I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Well, you actually went to the bridge recently. What did it look like? I think they did a really good job. I think they successfully built something that is going to work. Welcome to the bridge. Um, We're in the plaza. If you look out on the bridge, you see the large platforms hanging underneath the bridge. I went out and met the general manager of the organization that uh, runs the Golden Gate Bridge. His name is Dennis Mulligan. But if you stand here at the south end, look out on the bridge, the net really does blend in. It's not a, a strong feature on the bridge. uh, It's 20 feet down below the bridge, so if you're driving across the bridge, you would never see it. It blends into the architecture in that it's stainless steel, so kind of silver, dark silver, and that international orange, that reddish orange that is the famous color of the Golden Gate Bridge. The arms of the net are that color, and it looks kind of like really thick chain-link fencing. If you did decide to jump, I was told that it would feel like a cheese grater. It will hurt. It is not rubber, it is not soft, it is not springy, it is stainless steel wire rope. And he told me the story of how it came to be, and it was clear that he is very excited. Uh, A lot of people said, you know, if you had built something, my child would still be alive, my loved one. While others said, don't you dare change how the bridge looks. Does it feel better being the GM, just knowing that's there? Anything we can do to save lives feels great. What is the idea behind this net exactly, Leslie? I mean, I think twofold. If you did jump, hopefully it would save your life, even if you were badly injured. But I think that the main idea is that it's a deterrent. So if you're standing there at the guardrail, you look down and you might pause. The data shows that if you stop someone on the bridge, there's a good chance that they're actually not going to go somewhere else and commit suicide. There was a study in 1978 by a Berkeley researcher who did follow people who had been stopped on the bridge. And even many, many years later, they were still alive. So it seems like if you are in the right place at the right time to help someone pause, you may save their life. Do we know anything about why the Golden Gate Bridge in particular has been such a common spot for suicides? One thing I feel like I hear a lot is that it just is such a beautiful place and and these iconic views kind of draw that. That is kind of the common belief that why wouldn't you want to, you know, sort of take in a majestic view in the final moments of your life. But the, the data doesn't stack up in that way. For, for many, many years, a psychiatrist who worked at St. Francis and now works at St. Mary's Hospital in the city uh, named Mel Blaustein has done a ton of research looking at why people jump off the bridge and what will work to save people. You know, this isn't just facts and figures. This is real life stuff that's happening. So generally, people commit suicide because of accessibility. So if you don't have 
a gun, if it's not like super easy to do somewhere else, then the Golden Gate Bridge has a parking lot. All you really have to do is show up and jump. Bridge is a perfect target. The barrier is four feet high. There's a parking lot and there's a bus that takes you there. It's easy and fast. And when I say fast, it takes four seconds to hit the water. That's so fast. And there is a story that I read in a study that one person who committed suicide from the bridge, who jumped off the bridge, left a note that said, why do you make it so easy? Mm-hmm. And so if you don't make it so easy, then maybe you save lives. Is this deterrent, is this new net helping already? It is helping already. There have been some lives saved from the bridge already. We don't know, obviously, how many people it deters, <laughs> you know, uh, but there have been people saved from the bridge and they are confident that it will be successful. We won't really know until there's a tally at the end of, you know, once it's been up for a year. And it's 95% done right now, meaning actually there isn't any place that you can jump. But right now there's fencing where there's not netting. And eventually there will just be netting. I want to come back to Kay James. What did she tell you about what it means for her to know that there's this safety net under the bridge now? Kay James obviously feels incredibly grateful that no other family or hopefully very few families will go through the pain that she went through, that hopefully that the net will give those families a second chance. It haunts her to know that her son didn't get a second chance. And if he, if someone would have been there to help him pause, would he still be alive today? Mm. She has talked to, and there are a few people who lived through the jump, and they attended meetings, and they say that the moment they let go of the guardrail, they regretted their decision. And so she really believes that if her son could have had a second chance, maybe he would be alive today. I mean, I asked that over and over again. Was he sorry? If only he would have had a second chance. And of course, with Annette, you um, definitely have a second chance. I learned a lot from my son. He was one of the most forgiving people. He never held a grudge. Um, He just was such a sweetheart. I just miss him so much. Leslie, thank you so much. Thank you. If you or someone you know may be considering suicide or is in crisis, call or text 988 to reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. That was Leslie McClurg, a health correspondent for KQED. This 15-minute conversation with Leslie was cut down and edited by producer Maria Esquinka. Alan Montecilio is our senior editor. He scored this episode and added all the tape. Music courtesy of Audio Network and First Come Music. The Bay is a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. 
I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 